Friends, one of the um, hard truths of human experience, it seems to me, is that um, often we don't appreciate the good news until we know or experience the bad news first. And we often know the good news by contrast uh, because we've experienced uh, the bad news. Sometimes that's the only way we learn. Think of how much better success is when we've first tasted defeat. You know, I'm thinking that Ohio State might get to replay Michigan uh, in the college football playoff. I think this is, this is possible. It's unlikely, I think. So I think they'll keep TCU at three, but who knows? But I'm, I'm that, man, that, that joy for an Ohio State fan will be immediate because of the, the last two weeks of deep depression that I've been in. But right, success, success tastes better when we know defeat. This is a little more personal and uh, uh, sensitive, which is sometimes we don't appreciate a loved one until they're gone. And we don't know the good news about what someone means to us, often until we have the bad news that they may not be with us for very long, or in fact, they aren't with us. I remember it's been about, gosh, it's been 16, 17 years since my uh, mom was diagnosed with uh, stage four of breast cancer. She's still living, and so she beat it. But I remember in our area, the same time, uh, two women, same stage, died within a year. And she was given an experimental drug at the time, which has now become normative uh, from what I've read that um, has saved her life. But I'll remember, I was in college, and I was a selfish little prick. Uh, and I, I, I even, even the thought of losing my mom, I mean, I'm being very vulnerable here. I, I was still like just caught up in my own uh, self-centeredness. Luckily, over time, I began to realize, like, what a gift. And I'm going to relish every single chance I can be with her the rest of my life because I could have lost her. Right? And so sometimes we only know the good news uh, when we know or have experienced um, the bad news. Well, I want to put before you Exhibit A of the one who can expose the bad news today, John the Baptist. That's all he does. That was his whole mission, is to tell you the bad news um, and to tell us the bad news. And to, because... Because until we know what Jesus do for us, until we know how bad off we are without him, we don't appreciate the power of what he's done for us. And so John just comes onto the scene, and that's his whole thing. That's his whole stick. It's like, you guys are all messed up. You all need to repent. Right? And if you're not ready even for repentance, I'm not even going to exercise this charade. Right? I love that. The scribes and Pharisees come because, you know, they want to appear to be holy. So they want to participate in this charade of outward appearance. And he, he, he has none of it. He says, turn around. I'm not doing this for you until you actually start to show evidence of your repentance. I'm not going to share in your charade until you start to clear a path for God. And John gives us um, these great images. Make straight a highway. Uh, for God. I love that image because I drive a lot, driven a lot, all of us drive a lot. 
Um, right? Make straight a highway for God. Right? If God can't encounter us in the way that we need to be encountered, if it's blocked, right? That's the, the, the image I like to use. And I was thinking, as I was driving the other day and thinking about this reading, I was thinking about there are three kind of causes of congestion on the road, and they kind of ni nicely correspond to three elements of things that can block uh, God's access to us. So, like, the first is um, an accident. Let's say an accident caused by human uh, negligence, okay, which then backs up the roads, right? Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that sin, okay? Sin clutters the human heart, right? It makes it more difficult for God to, uh, to be in relationship with us, right? But then you have, consider a second scenario, a construction zone. Okay, that's not because of the bad decisions of a driver, right? This is something out of our control. The, the city and the state decided to do uh, construction work on the road, right? I consider that all of the things um, that happen in life that are outside of our control, that clog up the road, right? These are things that happen to us, right? Physical ailments we have to deal with, particular life circumstances that seem to be outside of our control, right? Um, uh, you know, we're let go of work at work because they're downsizing. We're diagnosed with a certain physical ailment or, or cancer, right? Um, people that we're working with are very difficult to be with, right? There's all these things outside of our direct control in life that can congest the roads, right? And make it actually difficult for us to be smoothly a Christian disciple, right? Because they present certain kinds of obstacles. The third is there's just too many cars trying to occupy too little space at the same time. Okay, this is rush hour. Okay? There's nothing wrong other than there's too many cars trying to occupy too little space at the same time. I want to argue that that's like all the things we clutter our life with that aren't bad in themselves. Okay, Just like there's no... It's not a construction zone. It's not a human air accident. It's nothing's wrong. It's just that the, the road is not wide enough for us to carry all of that. Right? This is an obsession to our technology. This is uh, an excessive attachment to uh, many material things. Right? This clutters our life. Again, not necessarily bad stuff. But it makes it difficult for there to be any space left on the road for us to have a serious engagement uh, with, with Jesus. And so when, I, I like, I love that image, make straight a highway for God. That's what Advent's about, decluttering. Some of the cluttering and the congestion is caused by our sins, and we have to repent. And we have to turn around our life in those areas. Some of the congestion is caused by things that we can't control, and we have to learn how in patience, right, to, to endure uh, certain forms of, of circumstances and sufferings. And some of it is, again, within our control, things that we need to declutter um, our, our life with. What can I go without and what can't? I, we did our, uh, me and the siblings all took a week off work uh, this past May to, to clean out my parents' garage, which was a, you couldn't see in there. It was covered from 
ground to this there was this huge fighting all week you know can we get rid of this or not and, you know my mom thought one way my dad said let's just let's just cut off the garage from the house just completely and throw it all in the dumpster right and then my mom's get mad and then it's this constant fight what can i take out of my life and what can i not right the, the decluttering that uh, is meant to be a part constant part of of the Christian life. So friends, John the Baptist is here to just indict us. Like, you're not well. You're spiritually sick. You may not even fully recognize your spiritual sick. Scribes and Pharisees don't seem to recognize that. You may not even recognize you're fully spiritually sick. But I'm here to tell you you are. John the Baptist is here to tell you you are. We all are. Right? And we need the divine physician. But, and in order to totally receive him, we've got to clear the path got to give him opportunities, space in which to operate uh, in our life. Um, I appreciate bad news people because I'm like, I'm kind of, and God has put plenty of cynics and skeptics and pessimists in the world. I've discovered that uh, being a priest, really, I've discovered that, that there, God is definitely, uh, you know, there's plenty of uh, pessimists and cynics and skeptics say, all right. Jeremy, you're, you're way too hopeful about this. There is a lot of bad news here, right? And I, that's, sometimes that's necessary to keep us grounded, to keep us, you know, close to the sense that we need Jesus. We need him. We're spiritually sick, right? And we need his, his healing touch. And so let's just take in the bad news uh, this weekend with John the Baptist. I think we hear from him again next weekend. Um, he's really good at it. Now, real quick, and then I'm done. Uh, don't fall in love with the opening act. Okay, John the Baptist is the opening act of the concert. All right? He's setting the stage for Jesus. Some people prefer the bad news to the good news. They prefer the opening act to the main act. Okay, this is not the Christian life. Okay, this is, Pope Francis is always railing on this. These dour Christians who seem so obsessed with sin that they can't, they can't ex exude the joy and hope that is the central message of the Christian gospel. Don't fall in love with the opening band. I know, personally, I've heard some opening acts that I prefer to the main act. Okay? Uh, I'm not going to go through my list of concerts where that was the case, but that was definitely true. But we are not supposed to prefer John the Baptist to Jesus, the opening act. We stay here for a week. We stay with the bad news. Okay, we reflect on our need for Jesus and how we're going to make straight a highway for his grace. But then we move on. And we move on to the good news of what Jesus has done. But it's one of the hard truths of human nature that sometimes we don't appreciate the good news until we first know and experience.